All right, and we're live again with Mr. Mr. T.K. Herman. How are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good. And yourself? Good, good. Avoiding this uh, virus that's going around right now. but Crazy times. It's insane. Who, who would have thought 14 days ago that the world would be the way it is today? Nobody. You know? I don't think anybody. Well, maybe the guys in China. But <laughs> yeah, knows? right, right. Huh. So you, uh, for those that don't know, you run a business yep. here in downtown Fort Wayne uh, called Aptera Inc., Yep. Um, for people that don't know what you do, why don't you give a little spiel? Uh, who are you guys? What are you about? What's uh, what's your primary interest? What are the things that you guys do down there? Yeah. So uh, uh, my business partner and I started Aptera 17 years ago, uh, with just the two of us. We have uh, about 105 or 10 employees today. So we are um, a company, a custom software development company focused around web development, web apps, and mobile apps. So we work with enterprise level companies, typically on big projects. You know, doing things, everything from um, you know, like things like product configurators. You know, if you think of, of a product configurator where you could go online and configure a car and pick the color and it shows you. You know, we do those kind of projects for people. We do iPad projects. Um, and most of the stuff that we do that are mobile projects are not things that you would see in the app store. They're not consumer-facing. They're business-to-business. So, again, we typically work with large companies um, that are that are doing like global-sized projects. And so this could be anything from a handheld device that helps people in the field communicate with people in the office all the way to something that's a little bit more entertainment for... Yeah, and we've done... Well, mo- I would say I would say uh, most of our things are not entertainment-related. They're, okay. they're mostly business-related. But for example, um, we've, we've done augmented reality apps for wow. a steel company Wow! so that uh, they can go on a job site and they can see where things are supposed to be positioned and so forth. So That's insane yeah, stuff. Yeah, we definitely have done some uh, pretty, pretty cool projects um, for some very large companies that really have a direct, a, a, a very significant direct impact on their bottom line. Oh, yeah. So in doing all these projects, what have you guys learned across the way? Because you started um, in coding, is that right? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I didn't go to school for any of this uh, at all. So, really? yeah, and, uh, um, I was always, I was, I was a kid who in the fifth grade, and I'm going to date myself here, uh, we had an Apple II uh, we wow. had one computer in the whole school. Wow. Um, and my fifth grade teacher was really into computers. And so I would stay in at recess and I'd kind of play on the computer. There was a handful of us that would do that. Um, but uh, I went on to, to college. I got a degree in sales and marketing, uh, actually, and then um, had a series of jobs after college. And if you actually looked at my LinkedIn profile and read from the bottom up, it kind of tells a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll see that I, I was fired from my first two jobs. Um, but there's a, there's a purpose to everything, right, uh, along mm-hmm. the way. And so I had uh, just always been a, a gadget person, always been interested in computers. Yeah. Um, and it was, a, it was actually at one of those jobs that I started to be kind of the computer guy around the office. And this is when computers were new to the workplace. This is, you know, in the uh, – I graduated college in 1993, so this is probably 94. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, started teaching myself how to write code. Mm-hmm. Again, had a series of jobs along the way that um, – Ended up uh, with me uh, becoming an entrepreneur around uh, two or 1987 uh, or so, and um, then we started Aptera in 2013. Hmm. So, would you say that you? When did you? When would you say that you became a true and true entrepreneur? Because you had jobs before. You went to college, did the traditional stuff, but you weren't always that traditional of a guy. I mean, you stayed in from recess to <laughs> play on a computer, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, I, I, I wasn't like the quintessential nerd by any stretch. You know, I, I, I played sports and I did all those kind of things as well, but I always, I just like gadgets. Uh, and I would say that's where really my passion for this kind of stuff started. Um, from an entrepreneurship perspective, I don't, honestly, I don't know where that really started. The seed really started to, to, to take hold. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that, uh, 
I, I do remember the day that I quit my job uh, to work for myself. I remember having a very vivid thought in my mind that was, um, I'm crossing a line at this point in time, and I know, and I know me, and I know once I cross that line, I can never go back. Mm. Um, I knew that, and I and I, I thought to myself, I don't know what I'll be doing, um, but I can't go back. Why couldn't um, you go back? Uh, there's just there's there was something just sort of wired inside of me of of wanting to be in control of my own destiny, mm. um, and uh, and wanting to either succeed or fail and be totally responsible for both of those. Um, and so at the time I had, uh, I'd become very technical. So I, I did get really, really deep into software development and writing code. And I used to speak at conferences and mm-hmm. would work on, uh, you know, book projects. Uh, would, I did a lot of work at Microsoft, uh, mm-hmm. in the nineties, also helping them with different projects and some different exam writing, uh, for some of their technologies they had. Dang. So it's kind of a, been a lifelong journey where seeds might've been planted early and then you discovered them and it was like, we got to go, we got to do this. I, I got one life to live. I'm going to, I'm going to do the entrepreneur thing. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I look back now and so I'm 48 years old, so mm-hmm. that would have been in my mid twenties. When, when did you jump ship to work for yourself? Uh, probably 96 or 97. Okay. Um, and so I was, I was fairly young, I think at the time. And I don't, you know, if you, if you asked me today, you know, or asked me back then if I had any hopes and dreams of where I would be today, it wouldn't look anything like this whatsoever. I really had no idea. Mm-hmm. Even when we started Aptera, you know, to this day, Aptera is 17 years old and we don't have a business plan. Um, and Does uh, that come recommended for people of the future? Well, it's interesting because, you know, in the very beginning, um, we, uh, uh, we thought, well, we have to do this. We, we have to have a business plan. We should do this because that's what people are telling us to do. But it just never felt right in our gut. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we never took the time to do it. We were, I would say that we were almost so busy trying to get the business started and trying to find clients and get projects out the door uh, that we never got around to it. Um, and we've, we've really you know, started the business kind of running it by gut feel. And both my business partner and I are, are and have always been very, very, uh, focused and dedicated on delivering a great experience mm. uh, to our clients, you know, and and it doesn't mean that we have we always have the right answers, and it doesn't mean that we don't screw up on projects here and there, um, but we, we've done just a fantastic job of taking care of our customers, mm. you know, along the way and helping them be. We 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 we. This has always been baked in our DNA. We care more about our customers and their success than we care about Aptera. And the belief has always been if we if we function that way, then good things will come our way. Um, and that's certainly been, uh, we've lived that principle out and it's worked. Now, does that even apply? Because I know uh, even with virus stuff going on right now, uh, some people are worried fiscally, you know, we want to <coughs> do right by the customer, but we still, you know, we don't, we're not putting people into work right now. We, we're really worried fiscally. Is that ever crossed your mind uh, if you're always doing right by the customer for you guys? Well, so I would say that the sentiment of we care more about X than we do about ourselves holds true whether we're talking about our customers or our employees. Mm. So the same thing exists there that, that I, like I personally deeply care more about every single person that works for us and them uh, living a, a happy, joyful, you know, love filled life than I do care about them as an employee and what they can contribute to our bottom line. Um, and I mean that sincerely. And, and I, I, I think it comes across, you know, to our people, uh, but it's, again, the same thing with customers. We care more about the success of that person on the other side of that project. So we may be working with a you know multi-billion dollar company on a you know three or four million dollar project, um, but there's really one person that that project uh, whose shoulders that project falls on. And if we can focus intently on making that person as successful as we possibly can, then 
uh, good things will come. Good things will come to them, you know, mm-hmm. so that means that uh, they get accolades, they get raises, they get promotions, whatever that is. Um, and then obviously good things come to us because they will see that we're taking care of them mm-hmm. and we genuinely care about them. So, um, you know, whether that means more work for us, you know, with that particular, particular client or, you know, we've had this happen several times where somebody leaves a company mm-hmm. and then we get in the door there because of how we treated that person on a previous project. So it's a bigger picture deal. You can't get caught up in the in the tiny details of this, that, and yeah, the other. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, you know, we're very, like, for example, in the recession of uh, 2008, 2009, and we didn't lay anybody off, um, and we were, we were down. impressive. Thank you. We were down, uh, we were down probably 5% in revenue, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, given the scheme of, the big scheme of things was actually very, very good. Uh, but we've also, it makes sense when you look at it, we started looking at, well, all these other companies out here are, seeing, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70% drop in revenue. And we only see 5%. You know, why is that? Uh, number one, I, I think I think there's a lot of merit to, again, creating those relationships with the clients. That's, that's one. But then two, really focusing on um, customers and trying to work with companies that see the value in what we do. Mm. You know, so uh, companies can either view technology as an expense or they can view it as an investment and an asset and something that they can they can use to differentiate themselves from their competitor. And uh, and we realized a long time ago that the more we focus on those people, number one, the easier the sale is to, mm-hmm. to get. And then number two, in hard times, you know, those companies that view it as an asset and a differentiator will continue to invest because they realize in a downturn where other people are pulling back, if we keep, you know, kind of the pedal to the metal on this side of the business, when things come uh, around and they always come around, that they'll be better positioned and farther ahead of their competitors. You know, it's interesting. You say uh, technology being, if people are putting the pedal to the metal on the technology, um, we were just reading an article in Dillard's. Did you see that? No, I haven't seen that. So they're having to let people go. Their technolo- their systems are so old uh, that they can't keep up with things like curbside delivery, online purchasing, things like that. So people are still having to go into the store, but obviously they can't. Yeah. Uh, so having out-of-date systems is, has been ruining them Yeah. Uh, currently. Yeah, and that it's un, it's super unfortunate, especially in 2020, mm-hmm. right? But uh, but it's not surprising. I know, uh, given that I don't know, we're going to date this podcast, right, by talking about the coronavirus. It's okay. But uh, um, but I had a I have a very good friend of mine who's a partner in a pretty sizable law firm that's based here in Fort Wayne. They have multiple offices, and uh, ahead of uh, this about a week ago, he, uh, he and only one other partner of theirs is re- are really set up to work remotely. Really? They've done the work to set, set up, you know, the VPN, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they were scrambling at the last minute saying, Hey, how do we get all the other attorneys that we have across the state and the associates and so forth to be able to work remotely? And at that point in time, I mean, you know, we now know that we were, you know, seven days away from from what seems like the sky is falling, mm-hmm. right? And, and seven days is not a lot of time to, to get that strategy in place. No, it doesn't leave any room for error, trial, right. or any of that. So that's insane. And then, so let's go into this a little bit. You've been doing this entrepreneur stuff and doing excellent in uh, technology business. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose to stay here in Fort Wayne? Um, you do a lot of work with technology, as you just said. Uh, I would imagine when you started, it wasn't really thought of that highly here in the Midwest. You know, I, I come from yes. the East Coast. So it's been, it's been there forever. Yeah. You know? So that's, and I, I'm glad that you recognize that point because uh, first off, why, why Fort Wayne? I'm born and raised uh, mm-hmm. in Fort Wayne, and and I just I love the city. Um, I love the fact that uh, we can, you know, in rush hour traffic, drive from one side of town to the other in 25 right. minutes. Right. Um, I love that I can live out in the country and feel like I'm in a whole different world, and it takes me 18 minutes to get to my office downtown. So there's a lot of things like that, right? Uh, but 100% uh, true in what you said that 
Fort Wayne was not seen as a technology sort of, and I was going to say Mecca, but that's even too, that's much too big of a word, right? Um, and uh, it used to frustrate me to no end. I can, th- I can think of probably two or three different occasions very clearly where there was an article in the paper randomly about how a company had to go to Chicago, you know, or the East or West Coast, or even Indianapolis mm. to, to fulfill their technology needs. And it used to fr- like really frustrate me uh, that they would say that because even at that point in time, so we had a small business at the time. So I, let's say that when those, when those kind of words are being thrown around, maybe we were 15 or 20 people, right? But we've had former employees of ours. We've had um, one go to Apple, one go to eBay, one to Salesforce, a couple of people to Microsoft, one to Under Armour. So we've had people that have left our company that have gone on to big technology companies, right? And uh, and and those people were in for, are from Fort Wayne. So the point was is that uh, the, the skill set and the mindset and and the smarts, if you will, exist in our market. So it used to frustrate frustrate to me to no end. That uh, that sort of tune I think is very different today uh, than it was say 10, 12 years ago. Very, very different today. And are you proud of that, I'm assuming? 100%, yeah. Very, very proud. Of, well, first off, I know we're going to talk about some of the downtown stuff uh, yeah. in a bit, but uh, there's just so much happening in our city that is attracting people to look at and say, gosh, you know, it used to be like when, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you would hear, you know, uh, kids that were in high school, you know, seniors in high school or coming out of college saying, oh, I can't wait to get out of Fort Wayne. I'm moving somewhere else. And, uh, and my wife and I started to notice a shift in our kids because we've got kids, uh, we have five kids ranging in age from 21 down to 15. Um, we started noticing that our kids and really their friends, they would come over and we'd hear side conversations about how they were excited about what's happening in Fort Wayne and they were going to stay here. And you never used to hear that at all. Um, and then I think too, with we, we've got a lot of really great companies and some really big companies. There's a lot of business in Fort Wayne that I think that um, doesn't get... Um, publicity from time to time, but you're seeing a lot of those companies invest heavily in technology mm-hmm. also. And so uh, that also helps put us on the map. And then you've seen uh, a couple of other companies come to Fort Wayne, you know, and, and, and want to be headquartered in Fort Wayne mm-hmm. uh, that are technology related companies. So all that, all that helps. So would you say Fort Wayne, and we obviously have a big medical field uh, banking, would you say we're on the up and up in terms of technology, the way that Austin might've been Seven years ago, yeah, I, I, I absolutely, I personally think that's that's the case for sure. You know, we've got uh, again, we have we have a lot of companies locating downtown, and a lot of those companies are putting an emphasis on technology. So, real quick, you, yeah, you just said specifically they're locating downtown. I mean, they could easily locate in the suburbs a lot cheaper. Why do you think people are choosing to go downtown? So, um, I let me step back a bit because in um, it, we bought our first building, we bought an office condo in two thousand and six. Um, in Airport North Office Park, so on the north side um, okay. near the CVS. And uh, it was an office kind of, it was nice, but we'd outgrown it. And so we were looking for a new home. And we decided at that point in time that uh, we, we wanted to look at downtown. And the reason for that was was sort of twofold. Number one, we recognized that, 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 the, that the demographic that we were going to hire mm-hmm. uh, for Aptera was, was going to be tend to be a younger demographic. And we felt like uh, a more urban appeal or more, more urban feel to the business would be appealing to them. The second thing was the baseball stadium was under construction mm. at the time. So I'm not a huge baseball fan. You know, I enjoy going to a game no, here and there. I think done wonders for the 
Yeah, absolutely. And that was the that was really the starting point, you know, for all the things that were happening in uh, in downtown. So that was under construction. So we ended up buying a building on the corner of Maine and Harrison um, in uh, two thousand and about in two thousand and seven. Moved in two thousand and eight, and so we we've had a very unique position to be uh, be headquartered and located downtown from the very beginning of this growth. So we've had a front row seat to see all the development that's happened. And it's been just unbelievable. I remember when the, when the baseball stadium opened, uh, seeing people walk down the street, you know, for, for an, either, an evening game or some of the afternoon games. Yeah. And you never saw that, you know, uh, before. And that was exciting. And then all of a sudden, you know, this project happens and that project happens and things are starting to change. And uh, I fully believe we're, we're past the tipping point at this point, you know, with the riverfront development, obviously ASH, the new hotel that's going up, the landing is amazing. Mm-hmm. There's so much happening in Fort Wayne that I think that uh, uh, it's really putting it's really putting our city on the map and it's making it an attractive place, especially for young people to call home. So you said again here a couple of times that you really wanted to locate downtown. You like that downtown's attracting the younger people. That's the demographic that you tended that you thought you were going to be hiring. Yep. Uh, mostly in technology. Uh, does that mean you have a lot of faith in young people and doing what you do? <laughs> I, I do. That's that's a funny uh, question. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, there are so many. I think I think um, in a general sense, you know, uh, millennials or I don't even know what the next generation is called after that, but uh, they they get a bad rap. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there our age demographic skews young uh, at our company. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but if I had to guess, it's probably thirty. Um, and uh, I, I, I have the good fortune of working literally with some of the smartest people that I've ever met mm. uh, in my life. And uh, just just very smart, motivated, talented people that care deeply about the quality of their work, mm. care deeply about how we're helping the customer, care deep, deeply about their coworkers, mm. care deeply about growing their skill set. Um, so yeah, uh, if there's any bad rap that, that, that younger generations get, there's a lot of good apples out there. And one example that uh, that I'll give too, because I'm involved in a different business that uh, uh, is sort of a side thing for me that involves hiring a lot of uh, like upper high school and lower college age kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I got involved in that business, we were going to have a job fair, and I was really concerned that was like like I had a lot of experience over the years with we'll call them adults, right? But no no experience with kids. And I'm like, man, this is you know. With all the risk that it takes in start, with all the risks that, that exist in starting a business, um, that was the biggest one that I saw. I was that was the I was the most fearful of that. And we had our first job fair, and there's like 400 kids uh, that show up to this thing. And uh, the next day, a friend was asking how it went, and I said uh, it was actually really good. I said, forget hiring, for, forget this business. I literally have a new hope that didn't exist the day before for the next generation. Because the kids that came in, were, were they didn't all know what they wanted to do. A lot of them did. A lot of them had a very clear path in what they, what they wanted to do. And I get that that might change along the way, right. but, they, but they were just smart. They, were, they communicated well. Um, they were just, I, I was thoroughly impressed uh, with what I saw. That's excellent. I mean, we, I, uh, we, on the show, we have had multiple conversations with people about what do you think of the next generation? Do you think they're uh, talented? Do you think they're hardworking? Or do you think the stereotype's true? And almost every single person uh, that has been here has ha- had a huge hope in the mm-hmm. next generation for exactly the same things that you're saying. They're motivated, they're talented, um, and quite frankly, they have a lot more resources at their fingertips oh, yeah. uh, to succeed. Yeah. You know, they have their phone in their pocket, which is crazy technology that nobody had 20, 30 years ago. Sure. 
So they're, they're being set up for success like crazy. Um, so within your company, you do have a lot of younger individuals. Mm-hmm. Is that ever a problem in selling uh, bigger companies? Hey, most of our people are young, or do people just not care? Honestly, it's never, I, I can't think of any time uh, in the 17 years it's been an issue uh, whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I, I, this is uh, just recently this past summer, um, we, we, had, we have our largest client as a big global company, a multi, multi-billion dollar company. And uh, there was a contingency of, of their team and our team that were having a meeting in Chicago. And people from all over the world and their team were here. And so we, we were going to go up and, uh, and go to a Cubs game and rented like a rooftop space and so forth uh, for an evening out with them. And, uh, w- and so a few of us were driving up from, from the office uh, to meet our team up there and theirs. And uh, one of the guys that was with us in the car, who'd worked for us for a year or so, and we're just having a conversation back and forth. And again, super, super smart guy, one of our software developers. Mm-hmm. And uh, he makes a comment. And I'm like, that was an interesting comment. Like, and so I go, how old are you? I don't have any idea how old he was. And I think, I think he was 23 at the time. And uh, maybe 22. He had just graduated college yeah. you know, recently. And I was like, oh my, it just like, it hit me like a ton of bricks, <laughs> right? Because I'm 48, yeah. right? And so I remember at, at, in my early 20s, if I saw somebody that was 48, I thought they were old. Mm-hmm. But I don't equate myself as any older than them. At all, you know, I, 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 um, we talk about the same things, you know, when it comes to references in music, there's probably some differences, right? Uh, but, uh, um, yeah, it's never been an issue at all, and it's actually fun to be around. So, then how do you keep growing as you have gone from young entrepreneur over the years building this business? How do you keep on top of the ball? I mean, technology is changing, they just released iPads with amazing cameras yesterday and a trackpad, yeah. like. It's, that's a complete change from last year. So I'm, I'm definitely a gadget person. I still am. I have been since I was a kid. Right. And so I, I do tend to have the latest and greatest of gadgets. Uh, but my interest has changed significantly over the years. So um, as we talked in the beginning, in the very beginning of Aptera, when we first started, when, when it was just my business partner and I, we, mm-hmm. it, was, it was the two of us for about three months. We hired our first guy about um, three months in, and then about six months in, hired our second guy and kind of kept growing from there. Uh, but in the very beginning, I was I was a, a software developer. I was writing code alongside of them. The the role that I would play was I would go find a project, um, and then come back, and my my partner and I would start working on it together. And then at some point in time, I would peel off, and he would continue pushing the project forward, and I would go find the next one, mm-hmm. right? And so that's kind of how it worked. So I haven't written code in years and years and years. Um, I I recognized even back then I thought I was a a decent software developer, but I wasn't great by any stretch. That was not that was not my my gift or my forte, um, and uh, and I've had to kind of grow into sort of what those gifts and talents are and how they play you know important roles inside of our business. Um, so I I'm very fortunate that I've had that background um, because I can understand it. So I can sit in a conversation and I can I can I can hold my own. I can I understand what they're talking about. I wouldn't have a clue how to sit down and write code necessarily in today's tools, but that's not also where my skill set is. Where is your skill set? I would say my skill set is on like vision, strategy, direction, people, culture, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I really enjoy being face to face. It's interesting too, as we've grown and we have more people that do more things, I'm, I'm, I find myself less face to face with customers, uh, but I actually enjoy, you know, uh, sort of being that person that's, that, that, you know, it gets called in from a salesperson if, if they need the president of the company to right. come in. Because I, I just enjoy having conversations and that you meet so many interesting people when you have a consulting business and you see so many interesting businesses and like the inner workings behind the scenes. 
So you've gone a little bit away from just being in everyday code, you know, typing it out. Um, and it seems like a lot more into that, like you're saying, the relational, the culture. Uh, how are you growing in that? I know we talked previously, you're, you're big into personal development. Yep. And that's a big part of your company culture as well. Uh, where did that come from? Like, why is that so huge to you? Uh, yeah, that's a good question too. I've, uh, I've often thought about where did that come from? And I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I do know that, um, uh, in my early college days, I read the seven habits of highly effective people as everybody. Yeah. And so I've, I've always, or I had, I had this, I had a set of Tony Robbins tapes, Yeah, you know, back in the early nineties when I was in college. And you're talking about dating this podcast. You just said tapes. Yeah, they were cassette tapes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so I've always kind of just, I don't know where that interest came from, but it's always been there. Um, and I would say it's, its so it's always been there, and it was, it, it was there for a long, long time, but it really ramped up about seven years ago or so. I had some life changes on my end right. that I really started looking inward, you know, at me. And, um, and, my, and my wife also is very, very into personal development. So... Um, and we've been married uh, six years, and so that's just been a journey that we've both been on together. And it's, I think it's it's contributed greatly not only to my life, but it's also helped our business quite a bit, because I I certainly try to model that mm-hmm. uh, to our employees. And I also there's there's a there, I believe everything in, in in the world everything breaks down to two things: mindset and mechanics, right? Mm. And and I would say that it, at best it's it's you know ten percent mechanics, ninety percent mindset. Really. Um, and, and anything, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, and I believe that in a company that exists also, so you can have all the processes and procedures, um, and all of the like tactical things that you do to, in our case, get a project out the door and be successful that, but, but just like an individual has a mindset, a company has a mindset as well. And so we've got to pay attention to those things as well. And those are a little harder because they're intangible. Mm -hmm. You know, I can put a process or we can put a process in place and we can see the result of that, you know, very clearly. Whereas if you, if you just talk about changing the mindset a bit, it's like, first off, well, how do you do that? You know? And then secondly, like, what's the effect going to be, you know? And, and I'm just, I'm a huge believer in like things like, you know, what you think about, you bring about, you know, and, and, and the law of attraction yeah. and energy and all that kind of stuff. So then let me ask you this, when it comes to hiring or bringing talent into your company, um, how much of that goes into play, you know, because you, you're looking at a sheet of paper and you yep. can't get hardly any of that from somebody. I mean, uh, like myself, for example, I, I was terrible at school. I did, yeah. I did good enough. Yeah, you know, let's just say that. I was the same. Uh, but anything that was a speaking gig, anything that was a presentation, 100% yeah. every single time. You don't get that from a sheet of paper. Yep. And when you're getting resumes in, you know, from uh, kids all over the country, like how do you, what do you do there? Yeah, so I, I would say in, in a general sense, um, we hire more for, uh, the like character of the person, the, the soft skills piece than we do the, 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 are, are you a good software developer? Are you a good project manager? Because we can teach skills, mm-hmm. you know, like that. We can teach you how to be a great project manager. We can teach you how to be a great QA person. We can teach you a new language, you know, for coding, uh, but we can't teach you how to be a good person. We can't teach you how to care, you know, about your work. We can't teach you how to care that, uh, that, that this person needs to hit this deadline because their job's on the line. Mm-hmm. So how do you see that from a sheet of paper? How do you see that they care and that they're a good person? Oh, I don't think you can. Don't, you can't see it from a sheet of paper. We're, we're going to look at the sheet of paper and see the qualifications, and mm-hmm. then after that, it's conversation, conversation, conversation. Yeah. yeah, so there's a whole process behind the scenes at, uh, at the office, how that transpires and how, how, how 
um, the people that are involved in the hiring pull that out of people. Do you uh, tend to put new hirees through a personality test, or do you? Uh, not typically. It depends. It's a couple of roles that we will use a personality test on, yeah. um, but uh, um, that's not the norm. No. So for people that are looking to get into self-development, uh, where would you say is a good start? I mean, people that uh, not necessarily, I mean, you have the people that, oh, that stuff's, you know, farce, it's crap, it's not good, it's no, not worth it. And then you have the people that are in the middle and they're kind of like, man, I, I could get better. Where do I start? Like for those types of people that want to do better in life, whether it's in business, whether they want to learn a new skill, they just feel like there's something missing and they want to have a better understanding of themselves. Um, so for, uh, let's go back to the first group first. The people that are like, oh, that's ridiculous, that's stupid, I don't, you know, um, they're just you know, blowing hot air. Uh, I, would, I would encourage that person to open their mind up, right? Because mm -hmm. if, you, if you look, I've got actually a graphic on my phone. Um, there's a, um, if you look at it like a pie chart, right? On a pie chart, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a, if, if that pie chart represents all the knowledge in the universe, uh, that exists. There's a tiny little slice of that of that pie chart that is the what you know. You know, I know I'm a male. I know how to speak English. Those kind of things, right? Then there's another slice of that pie that's slightly bigger than the first one, um, but still pretty small. And that's the what you know that you don't know. So I know that I don't know how to speak Chinese. I know that I don't know how to do. I, I can't ride a unicycle, for example. Um, and then and then the, the big portion of that pie is the what you don't know that you don't know. Right. So what you don't know that you don't know, that's where all the answers to the universe exist. So that person that's saying, oh, they're just blowing hot air. They're this, they're that. There's something inside of them. Right. That that is causing them to, to think and act that way, as opposed to being open and going, hmm, that's interesting. I don't know much about that. Maybe I'll go look at this and then I'll form my opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. Now the person that that already kind of gets that and says, "Hey, there is there might be something to this. I want to I want to learn more." There is so much available today. Obviously, YouTube, audiobooks, um, the the whole that whole genre of of like uh, it's a big word to use personal development or big genre, right? Um, there's so many options out there. So many people, you know, put great content out. You can find people all over Instagram, even on TikTok, uh, you know, Snapchat. I mean, oh, yeah. all, all, you know, Facebook everywhere. Um, so. A start would be, you know, you could start looking up, you know, people like Brene Brown or obviously Tony Robbins is sort of, sort of the, the quintessential person um, in there, which that he has a Netflix um, documentary. If you haven't seen that yeah, or not, it's super, good. super good. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, in the female front, there's an author named Jen Sincero or Gabby Bernstein or Rachel Hollis, you know, and Brenda Bouchard. There's uh, there's a gazillion people. I shouldn't say gazillion. There's a lot of people out there that put out really, really good content. And it's just a matter of looking for it. So it, it takes a little bit of a self-start, is what you're saying? Yeah, I would totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's how I learned everything that I do right now. Is yeah. That, you know, as a tool that I had and started going for it. Yeah. yeah. And 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 the, the more open you can be from a mindset perspective, the better, right? Because it's like peeling an onion back. I, 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 oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. What's that lead to? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, I like this part of that, but I don't agree with that. You don't have to agree with everything. Right, but just be open to it, and 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 the more open you are, the more you expose yourself to the what you don't know, you don't know, you know, area of knowledge. The more you learn. So let me ask you this: How much of that being open to what you don't know takes a level of humility in the individual? Oh, I I, I would say a tremendous amount of humility and vulnerability. Um, you know, I would say that uh, like today, I like to think that I'm a very very different person than I was 
even seven, eight years ago, even oh, six years so. ago, even two years ago for that matter. Um, I, I, I am always looking at myself and I, I like, I have issues, right? I totally uh, still have hangups and still have things, you know, we, we all have, I call it head trash. So we all have, you know, stories and scripts and filters and maps in your head that dictate how you see the world and the world sees you. Um, and those things come from somewhere. Um, and I'm, and again, I, I know most of mine, it doesn't mean that I don't fall into traps, you know, every now and again, I don't fall into old patterns, but I'm very aware of it, uh, when I do. And I try to, when I recognize that I've fallen into an old pattern, I'll try to get out of it as quickly as I can. Now you just mentioned head trash. And I think that's an interesting topic, um, cause it usually goes into two categories, right? You have the head trash of, oh, I can't, oh, I suck, oh, I'm terrible. And that limits you from being able to do, right? Um, but on the other side of the spectrum, I almost think you get and correct me if I'm wrong from everything that you know, um, you could get the head trash where you're overly confident uh, to the point where it's, come on, man, bring it, bring it back a little bit. Yeah, th- I think there's a, there's a balance there in the middle somewhere because the person that's overly confident and, and almost comes off as, as arrogant in a way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's something there that's causing them to be that way. Right, mm-hmm. um, and it takes that per- that person for them to be vulnerable. Because here's the deal: everybody has stories. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter, how, you know, what your job is, how successful you are, how much money you have in the bank. What doesn't matter. Everybody has stories, and they all come from somewhere. So that person that is overly confident, you know, is almost boastful or arrogant. There's there there's a reason they are that way, mm-hmm. you know. And and this is something that my my. Um, uh, wife had taught me, I think she got it from somebody else. But, uh, uh, when you see people like that, um, and especially if they rub you the wrong way, uh, and you might might find yourself saying, Oh, I would never say this, or I'd never say that. You know, the truth is you would, if you were them, because you'd be them, right. And you'd have all their stories, you know, and so forth. So you'd show up the same way. So, so I think when you see people like that, it's a matter of like, for me, it's a matter of giving them grace because I don't know their story. Uh, at all, you know, and on the flip side too, you see somebody that's on the opposite end of the spectrum as well. Um, you know, you don't know their story uh, either. I think there's 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 a middle point at which you know I've had to, for example, I would say uh, I have uh, have have always had kind of this innate feeling of lack of confidence mm-hmm. in doing things, and uh, Where and do that's you think that came from. Um, my stories in my head are: I'm lazy, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm, and I'm an imposter. Okay. And so the imposter one is interesting because I mean, real quick, looking yep. at you now that those all seem crazy. Just <laughs> reading your LinkedIn, knowing who you are as a person. That, right. Those all seem crazy. But I mean, please. So, no, I, and I appreciate you saying that because I, I, I get that from your perspective, they might seem crazy, but they're still there in my head. No, I, right? I, I totally and, get it. And 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 you might say the whole lazy, but I'll use lazy as an example. You might say the whole lazy you're like, I don't I don't even I, I can't even wrap my head around what it means to feel like you're lazy because that's not your story, right? Mm-hmm. You have your own stories. Mm-hmm. And so those are mine. So, so the way the story, the, the way the stories work also in your head is that, you know, they're just beliefs that are made up at some point or somebody put them there, but that's mm-hmm. a whole different topic. Mm-hmm. But, um, but they're beliefs that you have and then you find evidence to support those beliefs. So I, in my head, my beliefs are I'm lazy, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough. Okay, so so those those are truths. I'm, I'm putting quotes around that. Those are truths that I know to be, uh, those are things that I know to be true, right? Mm-hmm. So then what happens is I find myself having a measure of business success, mm-hmm. right? But I know these things are true, so I have to be an imposter. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I ha- I've, I've done the work to kind of figure out... Imposter what, on which side? 
Impo- business imposter or imposter of like what you're putting in your head, like it's fake. Business imposter. Okay. Yeah, on the outside. Yeah. Right. Because on the inside, if I know that I'm lazy and I'm not smart enough, not good enough, but I have this level of success or I get this accolade here or there, right? I have to be an imposter. Anyway, um, to me, it's fascinating because I've I've done the work to kind of figure out where some of that stuff comes from, and mm-hmm. and I believe that uh, you know things like that are, either are put in your head. Um, especially from a young age. So somebody's telling you you're lazy or you're, you know, you're, you're ugly or whatever, uh, or something happens in your life where you make that story up yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't matter how it gets there. It, what matters is that you recognize that it's there. Um, and so what my wife and I have really tried to do with our kids, and, and we both think that we're pretty good parents. Um, however, we also realize and recognize that there are things that we're doing as parents that are probably screwing them up (laughs) as kids. Right. And, uh, um, and so what we, what we try to do is, is get them to understand this concept that, Mm -hmm. that you're going to have stories in your head, whatever your stories are, they're your stories, but just understand that they're just made up things and that, um, that you can change that narrative also. So, and, and then once you, once you decide to change the narrative, you start looking for evidence to support that new narrative and you'll find it everywhere because you can find evidence to support whatever your belief is. Interesting. So how does one um, that maybe isn't your family, what, what would you say to them to change that narrative? They're on the brink. They're thinking about it. They're dealing with head trash. Where's a good place? What do they, yeah. what should they do? Yeah. So it's, 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 I found that hard, uh, right? Because somebody has to be, um, they have to have an, a, a willingness and a, and a deep desire um, to grow and to, uh, to really become like self-aware. Um, and I've tried to figure out like, how do, how do I, like uh, like cause somebody to be self-aware? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had this happen. It's kind of a buzzword lately. Would yeah, you say? I would say, yeah, for sure. I think, I think a lot of this is uh, all the stuff that, that, um, that you hear, you know, people again, like Tony Robbins or Gary, Gary V or any of them talk about it, it, you, if you, if you listen to enough people, you'll see, it's just all recycled information yeah. spun a different way using a different voice, Nothing right? New under the sun. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's all very, very, there's very little out there that's unique to a particular person. Right. Um, but, uh, I've struggled and I've had, I've got several examples uh, over the years with employees that, that they just weren't like we all have blind spots and you're trying to get somebody to see this blind spot and they won't see it. And, um, and there's one, one, one in particular, uh, that I was really struggling with, like, how do I get this person to see this? And I finally, I started asking around, I started asking people that are like coaches. I'm like, how do you get somebody to become self-aware? And my conclusion was that you can't, it has to be their choice. And a lot of times it takes some sort of a traumatic event, and I put the word, I put quotes around the word traumatic. Some kind of, some kind of life-changing event, mm-hmm. you know, for them to cause, could cause them to pause and go, okay, maybe I need to look at this. You know, maybe there's, a, maybe there's something here. I mean, you listen to a lot of, uh, I mean, Tony Robbins, for example, or you listen to any of these stories of people that have quote made it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that are in pop culture, celebrity. Almost every single one of them says that they had to hit rock bottom. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's your idea that they need to be have a traumatic quote traumatic experience or a life-changing experience. Right. I mean, it's a big deal. Yeah. You know, it's one of the few things in life that I think people actually take time to reflect on. Yep. You know, and sometimes it's sad. It could be the passing of a loved one. You know, they reflect on life. It could be what's going on in our world right now. It could be losing a job, anything. But having those uh, moments to be able to reflect, or those are the things that spring people forward. Yeah, and I've, I've just, I found it very interesting that, I mean, there are so many people out there that have amazing stories, mm. you know, around this that, uh, um, 
if you just take the time to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I don't, I don't mean it's not looking at somebody that has like a certain level of success. It's just, it's just everyday people. Mm. You know, some of the things that they go through, like there, there's, um, I won't, I won't uh, divulge the story, but one of our employees, we were driving somewhere once and he was sharing uh, some things about his childhood. And he said something which caused me to ask the question and caused me to ask some more questions. And I was sitting in the car thinking, holy crap, mm. you know, I can't even imagine, you know, dealing with what he dealt with growing up. And, uh, and he, he's genuinely one of the nicest people that I know today. And if you met him, you would have no clue, none whatsoever that he ever had that kind of experience in in his background. Um, you know, and, and so to me, just taking the time and that's not something I would, I I did in the past. That's one of definitely the growth areas that I've grown into, um, is, uh, is just, you know, an interest and a desire to connect with people on that level. So it seems like just from talking to you and, whether it's business success, personal development, whatever, a lot of it has stemmed back to uh, taking the time to a be self-aware of yourself, but then b uh, investing in people authentically. Yes. So like really getting to know somebody, not just hiring them so they can do a job. Right. You know, really getting to know them, asking them questions about their life, uh, but not from a uh, what can I get to know about you so I can do this or do that, but just genuinely wanting to know somebody. Yeah, I would say too. So th- there's a lot of successful businesses out there, and a lot of successful business owners that I know. They're way more successful than I am. That uh, that that do have more of a I'm going to hire this person to do this job, you know, mm-hmm. kind of an approach. And that's great. And again, a lot of them are are way more successful than I am. Uh, to me, what's that doesn't feel like my soul. That that doesn't mm-hmm. that doesn't you know. Th- that sort of mindset wouldn't cause me to want to go into work every day. Mm. You know, like, like me, that's, and this, that's all a personal thing, right? So I'm not saying what they're doing is wrong. It's right for them. Uh, but for me, you know, really having a feeling that I'm having an impact on somebody's life, that's the important thing, uh, you know, for me. So let me ask you this. If, if, if you started feeling like Aftera was not impacting people's lives for the positive, would you leave? Would you be done? Would you, would you be willing to let it all go? To, to pursue something else that would make that feeling happen? It's a good question, but and I don't know how to answer that because I can't, I can't, I can't think of it, that being a reality, if that makes sense, right? No, totally um, I think if I was, um, and I say that because, you know, being one of the owners, I can, I can greatly control that. Right. Um, you know, if I, I, w- I would frame it this way. If I was going into an organization, this is me, mm-hmm. if I was going into an organization and I didn't feel that, um, then that would cause me to look elsewhere for sure. So would you encourage young, um, I was going to say young entrepreneurs, but young uh, people in the workforce, young people uh, coming to work for you or somebody else, it's okay to quit. It's okay to go oh, pursue something else. 100%. I mean, so so our, our uh, mindset around... Um, like people's tenure at our company mm-hmm. um, has been this for for since the beginning. There are three paths that somebody can take. Uh, so we had we had a new person actually start this week, which was ironic because we, we switched to a remote only. Welcome to the company. Go on. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, uh, so she started this week, and so um, you know there's three paths that that she can take through our company. It happens to be a project manager. Uh, path number one is is she will be there for the long haul, which is awesome, right? But in today's world, it's not likely. Um, you know, people tend to change jobs. Um, but that's path one. Path two is uh, the person will outgrow the company. So what they want to do, either we just don't offer 
or we offer it, but there's already something in that role. So for them to grow as a person and for them to grow in their skill set, they have to leave the business. Mm -hmm. And then the third path is the company will outgrow the person. Um, and that doesn't happen that often, but maybe once every you know uh, year, 18 months, two years, uh, we'll be changing things, and the person that's in a particular role is not really vibing with that change, and they're having a hard time with it, so we have to make a change. But my point is this. Any one of those three paths, perfectly okay. Totally so you, okay. You never get mad at somebody for leaving. Nope, uh, not 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 at all. E even if we've had we've had a few people leave to start their own business, mm -hmm. and and my response to that is I totally get it. I get it. I did it. Right. Mm -hmm. I understand that. And how can I help you now? If you're going to leave and like try to call of our clients right. and then try to get them to switch, I have an issue with that. That happened once, uh -oh. and so I, I do have an issue with that. Right. So my thing is, if you're going to go do your own thing and start your own business, do it the exact same way that Conrad and I did. Mm -hmm. You know, start from square one. Um, but yeah, if somebody's leaving to like, for example, um, the, the person that used to be our HR manager, mm -hmm. uh, he came to work for us and his whole goal was to, um, have a job in HR and be a leader in an HR, an HR, you know, department where he had, you know, eight to 10 people underneath him. Mm -hmm. That's never going to happen in our company. We're not going to be that company. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for him to move forward in his career, he, he would have to leave. Right? Or we had somebody that, that their whole goal was to be a college professor. Okay, that's clearly not at Aptera. No. Right? So, so, but in both those scenarios, um, I, and I was actually personal friends with both of them, my response to that is, okay, how do I help you? How do I help you become that HR leader that has 10 people underneath you? And how do I help you become that college professor? All, know, all the time knowing that that means they're going to leave the company. And I'm totally okay with that because if we invest in our people like that, mm -hmm. then I have full faith that they will feel that and that they, would, however the, long their tenure is, if it's two years, three years, five years, they'll work really hard in return and that will help us achieve our goals. So it's like this symbiotic relationship. It's something that you can't necessarily analyze. It's a, it's a feeling, it's an aura yep. between you and, and the people around you. Yeah, and, and that's been, it's been tough too so when we were when we were much smaller, you know, we had uh, you know twenty people. Um, you have a personal relationship with all the employees, and and now that we're over a hundred people, it just that becomes more and more difficult. So then it becomes a matter of um, making sure that 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 the managers, right, or, or the people that are a layer or two below my business partner and I feel that, and that they you know buy into that, and that, that they sort of live their life that way as well, and then they'll push that down. Insane. I mean, that's all. I would say that's years of experience speaking right there. Because I'm assuming you didn't get this right the first time. We've made lots of mistakes along the way. Fail <laughs> <laughs> forward, though, right? I, yeah, I think that, I think we've, I, I would say it this way. I think that, I would say no. I, this, this sort of way of being and this feeling has always been there. Mm. I wouldn't say it was clear, right? I didn't really gotcha. understand, you know, I didn't, I didn't put words to it. I, I, I couldn't phrase, I, I wouldn't have been able to phrase this um, the way I'm saying it now mm -hmm. 10 years ago. So how much would you say then that it sounds like you're saying it and I would agree with it. How much of your early career is spent just figuring that stuff out? Oh, I think a ton. Yeah. I, I think like that's that, not something you can necessarily figure out in college. I didn't care about that in college. Yeah. Me? This is the hard part, right? So, um, we all have, we all have parents and, mm -hmm. and our parents at some point or, or whoever cared for you has said, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't touch this, don't do that, right? Mm -hmm. And there's reasons why. Um, and uh, um, 
and I have kids. I don't. You have, you have kids, do you? No, we have a dog. Okay, so yeah, so we can tell them don't don't do something, but uh, <laughs> but, but a little different. Still gonna do it. A little different, yeah. But uh, but I find you know um, myself doing that with our kids as mm-hmm. well, and they don't always listen. Mm-hmm. And I I do believe that you know I don't know ninety percent of things in life just have to be lived through. Mm-hmm. And so what my, what I can appreciate that. Yeah, what my wife and I do try to do is we have very open conversations with our kids. We talk about a lot of stuff with them because if there's something that I learned say at forty, you know, five years old, right, that um that I can say to my kids, maybe, maybe, maybe our eighteen year old, I can I can say something to her, um, she's probably not gonna get it at eighteen. Mm-hmm. But maybe something happens in her life at 22 or 23 or 25, right? That she's like, oh, that's what it was. I get that. Mm-hmm. And, and we can, if I can shorten that learning curve for, for them, then, you know, my wife or I just saved one of our kids 20 years. Right. Right. And so that's what we try to do, um, uh, again, in, in, our, in our house. And I try to do that. Like, I, I'm always happy to talk to young entrepreneurs mm-hmm. uh, because the more that I can share, you know, things that worked, things that didn't work, mistakes, you know, the way I used to be versus the way I am now, those kind of things. Uh, I, I enjoy giving back like that. Um, at the same time, I believe those lessons just kind of have to be lived through. Right, right. So you were mentioning your family here a little bit. We've talked a lot about business mm-hmm. and everything that goes on in there. Uh, you're super busy doing that, or at least you were at one point. What is how do you have time for home? Do you have time for home? Are you one of those people that works all the time? And no, no, no. Yeah, I'm. I'm fortunate too that that we've gotten to the point from a business perspective where we've really got just an amazing team that takes care of a lot of things. But you didn't used to have all of that. No, you know, and that's. I was. It's funny you say this because I was just uh, telling my wife a couple of days ago we were talking about something, and uh, I, you know. I look at our kids now, so we're a blended family. Mm-hmm. So I look at not only my kids, um, I have two and she has three, but, uh, but especially I, I, I used um, our 15-year-old, which is my stepson, mm-hmm. as the example because you know, I've been in his life now for seven years, um, and, uh, and he hasn't seen, you know, actually, and my kids didn't e- even see it either, see me staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning you know, and, and, you know, having side gigs and doing all the stuff that it takes, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to be successful. Um, they didn't see that, that, you know, again, I'm, I'm devouring new books and trying to learning new programming languages and all this kind of stuff. They don't see those kind of things. All they see is what you do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I, beyond just your kids real quick, if I can interrupt, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people only see that inside of entrepreneurship right now. They don't see the three AMs or they don't realize the impact. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think too, like, like, um, you know, one of the, I think great success stories in Fort Wayne is Sweetwater. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you, when you look at what they have today, you know, don't lose sight of the fact that at some point in time, you know, Chuck Sirak started out of, out of a van by himself, you know, and he was working just as hard. Now his, his work day, you know, is vastly different today than it was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. But, uh, but it, t- it took a heck of a lot of work, you know, to get from point A to point B. Um, and I think you'd see that in our company too. I think, um, you know, we've got a couple of, of employees of ours that have been with us, you know, 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. So they were there, uh, when we were much, much, much smaller and, and really trying to figure things out. Um, and, uh, their appreciation for where we've come from and where we are today is significantly different, mm-hmm. uh, from our other place that, that actually is, it, this is an interesting uh, point because when we moved into our new office building, um, 
And uh, so we went from a 13,000 square foot building to a 39,000 square foot building. Mm. And, uh, and I noticed that pretty early on. I, th- I started thinking, you know, there are, there are people that started at the company after we've been in our new space. And, uh, and our old space was nice, but not nearly as nice as what we have now. They have no picture of what our company was like before that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And those people that started in our first building downtown have no picture of what it was like in the office condo. You know, and so you can tell them those stories, but they don't really get it. You know, their their experience starts on that day. Um, so I think it's just important for people to keep in mind that 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 never underestimate the work that it takes to get, you know, to a certain point. And that's why, like uh, years ago, I'll date myself again when the Justin Bieber movie came out. Oh wow! Yeah. Right? Um, so I I'd taken um, uh, my daughter to see that, and uh, uh, I remember sitting there, and I wasn't like a big Justin Bieber fan, but I loved the message behind it, really, yeah. because if you looked at, and, and um, there's another uh, singer that has a movie, too. I don't know if it's Katy Perry or somebody has one. Anyways, it doesn't Lady matter. Gaga. She has one on Netflix right now. Okay, but you look at the work that went in to get to that point, and people don't realize that. They see the success part, and they want to start at that point. No, it's insane. Uh, Justin Bieber actually just released another, uh, it's almost like a docu-series on YouTube, kind of mimicking the movie, but now years later, oh, he's yeah. married and all that. And it's it's still the same. You know, He's achieved a high, high level of success, probably more than anybody that's come up as a pop singer. Yeah. You know? Uh, and he's still hitting the studio at 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. Yep. You know, He's still getting up, still going through therapy is still taking care of his body well now he's taking care of his body but like it's <laughs> yeah. insane yeah you know it's it's almost as if everybody wants to do entrepreneurship or they want to start something and then it gets hard and then they want to stop or they're like oh man i wanted to start at square nine not square one yep but they I don't and maybe i'm misspeaking here you're way more experienced than i am um it almost seems like you never really leave square one in terms of the work ethic I would agree with that. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I would say I would say it, it changes, right? And so in my role today, my role today is very different. Um, and, and I've had to ad- I've had to adapt and adopt also uh, because over the years, you know, I, I would I would do things in our company like like for example, I was actually um, I found a document uh, that I wrote probably well it's probably, probably sixteen years ago. Was it I embarrassing just, to read? No, no, no. It, it was like a technical specification oh, okay, for something. Okay. And uh, and I went and I showed somebody um, on our team. And I'm like, hey, if you need help with this, just read this. And it was like 100 pages long. And it was super detailed. And I'm like, I wrote that. And they were like, you did not. I'm like, yeah, I actually used to do this stuff, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but what they see today is me kind of walking around having conversations yeah. you know, with people. So my job has changed significantly. That was also a challenge, too, because that there's... There's a whole bunch of stuff here, but um, that also caused me to to start to have a little bit of head trash around what's my contribution to the business. Mm-hmm. And so, if I'm not producing a worked product, right, that is that is being you know put in um, uh, put in the marketplace with a client, mm-hmm. you know, and, and now I'm I'm my job is having a conversation with our director of sales or the guy that's the head of our marketing team or whatever. You know, it doesn't feel the same. Like I, I can't touch and feel. Mm. You know, the contribution where I used to be able to do that. And that bothered you for a while. Oh, it totally bothered me for a while. Yeah, so it was, you're it was, more of a you want to see the results of your work. I felt like I should be seeing the results of the and work. It's now change. But I, but yeah, but if I stepped back, I was seeing results. Mm. You know, by having those conversations. Yeah, to lift that blinder spot mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, so back to your family real quick. What's life look like now that you're not up till three a.m. You know, doing code, writing technical specs. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm. I am. So my, my wife and I have been married uh, almost six years together, seven. Um, and 
we are very proud of the family that we've created. So we've got five kids, five amazing kids that we are just, uh, we've actually talked about doing uh, a podcast or something like that someday yeah. around blending a family together because it's, it's, it's not been easy. Uh, but our kids, uh, there's no step word used. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just brother, sister, son, daughter. Um, and uh, we've just got a, an amazing dynamic inside of our house. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the kids hang around with one another. They like, they enjoy being with one another. We have a lot of fun. Uh, as a family, um, it's busy. Mm-hmm. So we actually have a grandchild now at home. Mm-hmm. So our oldest uh, became pregnant unexpectedly, but it's been this, this a massive blessing in disguise. Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, um, she, she moved back home with us and we have now a, he's almost five months old wow. uh, living with us, which has been a, a great joy as well. It's been, it's been fun to watch. So it sounds like you got a nice little unit there at home. Yeah, yeah, and so we've got uh, we have a 21 year old, um, and then we have a 20 year old who's a sophomore in college, okay. who goes to PFW. She has an apartment. And we've got an 18 year old that is moving in with a 20 year old next mm-hmm. year for school, um, and then we have a 17 year old who's a junior, junior in high school, and we have a freshman in high school. So all those kids, what's your proudest dad moment? Oh boy! Not asking you to pick a kid <laughs> yeah. or anything like that. Just a moment that I think, stands out. Where I, it's like, man, I've done a good job as a dad. I, I, you know, I can't think of one like specifically off the top of my head because I, I think it's just watching the kids mm. and watching them grow up. And you know, every stage of life is different, right? Mm-hmm. So um, when you look at Rocco, who's who's our grandson, um, now you're like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of work, right? And then you see what you know, kind of what they turn into, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and. I enjoy, I, I really, I've, I guess I really enjoy this stage that we're in right now because the conversations that we can have with the kids, you know, mm. it's vastly different than when they were six, seven, eight, nine mm. uh, years old. Um, but just seeing how they interact with people, seeing how they are, you know, outside of our four walls, mm. you know, seeing and, and hearing parents say, you know, such a good kid, so polite, you know, um, George, who's our youngest. Uh, if he walked in here right now, the first thing he would do is walk up to you, shake your hand, look in the eye, and, and introduce himself. That's awesome. And uh, and I don't take credit for that at all. His mom uh, instilled that in him from a very young age. Uh, but things like that are just, you know, they're just turning into, they're just growing into very good people. That's awesome. So real quick as we kind of close out here, you know, I always have a couple, nice variety of individuals uh, come on. I get to have awesome conversations with everybody. But I'm always curious what advice they have uh, for people both here in Fort Wayne primarily. Um, as the city continues to grow, as our culture expands uh, beyond just being a traditional Midwest culture, mm-hmm. uh, wh- what words of encouragement would you have uh, for people in the city right now uh, that are in that kind of youth generation, haven't lived as much life as you have, don't necessarily have as much experience as you have. Um, it seems like they're wanting to stay. Uh, maybe they want to start something. Maybe they want to go work for somebody. What what encouragement would you have for the up-and-coming generation? I would say... Um that's a good question. I would say probably first and foremost, you know, really work on trying to figure out what your purpose is, mm. you know, and, um, and, and live that purpose, you know, do what, do what fulfills you on the inside. Don't do what other people say they think you should do. Um, you know, there's a lot of pressure in today's world to have it figured out to, um, well, you're 23 years old, you're 25, you're 20 years old, you should know what you're going to do. Uh, just live your life and find what you want to do what fuels you on the inside because um, I don't feel like I have really worked a day in my life in the sense that I, I thoroughly enjoy, you know, everything that I've done along the way um, I've enjoyed. There's probably one job in high school that I didn't like at all. And I went there for a paycheck, but other than that, it's never been going there for a paycheck, you know? And I think that, uh, 
Um, just finding that spot is so important. And then I can't stress enough, the sooner that, that you start looking at yourself and realizing that you are 100% in control of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, um, and, and the outcomes of your life, the better. Um, that's an easy thing to preach. It's a hard thing to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you start living your life saying, I am totally responsible for everything that happens around me, uh, I guarantee your life will change. That's awesome, man. Well, hey, I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you so much. Appreciate uh, you having me on. Yeah, and, and I think you're doing a great job. I and mean, when we talked beforehand, I I, um, I I really am happy to see somebody doing a podcast of this level uh, in uh, in Fort Wayne. And uh, yeah, I think it's great. Thank you. We're hoping to keep going on the up and up and see where, see where things go from here. Awesome. You know? So thanks, man. I yep. appreciate it. And uh, for those that want to find who your company is, where can they find you? Just Google, yep. Instagram. Yep. It's Ap- yep. Aptera, A-P-T-E-R-A, or it's apteraink.com. Mm-hmm. You can find me certainly on Facebook or Instagram mm-hmm. or um, LinkedIn. It's just TK Herman, no periods, no spaces. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, make sure you guys subscribe and uh, tune in for the next one.